Thanks for joining us today for the Anchor Daily. We are reading through the books of Acts, learning about the early church and the unstoppable power of the gospel. Listen close as we dive deep into Luke's and Paul's accounts. Do you love hearing, or better yet, seeing radical transformation stories? Whether it be someone who has lost a bunch of weight or someone who turned from a life of crime to serving their community? In Global Outreach, I have the privilege of hearing and seeing transformation stories through the work and relationships of our global partners and missionaries. With our partner in Cambodia, AIM, a whole community has transformed from being filled with brothels and the trafficking of girls to now being an area that is not only safe for children, but is filled with joy and hope. Hey everyone, this is Aaron White. Today we are looking at Acts 13, 13 to 52, and the power of the gospel. Andrea showed us yesterday how Paul and his companions were sent out on their first missionary journey from the church in Antioch. We last saw them in Cyprus, and now in the opening verses of our passage today, we learn that along their way, John leaves them to return to Jerusalem, and the rest continue on to Pisidian Antioch. It is important to note that they have continued on their journey, and this is a different Antioch than the one where they first were sent from. The first Antioch is located in the land of Syria. They then set sail and went through the island of Cyprus, and are now in the land of Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. Starting in verse 14, we read that Paul entered the synagogue and proceeds to preach. This is noteworthy for two reasons. First, we will start to see this is Paul and Barnabas' regular practice, that whenever they enter a new city, they first go to the Jewish synagogue. Secondly, the sermon that Paul proceeds to give is his first recorded sermon. We can break this sermon down into three sections. The first section, of verses 16 to 25, Paul summarizes Israel's history leading to God's promise to David. In verses 24 to 25, he says, From this man's descendants, referring to David, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for, but there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. The second section of the sermon in verses 26 to 37, Paul is arguing that Jesus' death and resurrection fulfill that promise. He uses prophecies and promises from the Old Testament to show how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were proof that he was the promised Messiah. In verse 32, Paul says, We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Lastly, Paul calls those listening in the synagogue to respond. In verses 38 to 39, he says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. As Paul concludes his sermon, they were asked to speak again on the next Sabbath. When they came to speak that next week, we see that almost the whole city turned out to hear them. I'd say this is a testament not just to Paul's preaching skills, but to the power and attraction of the gospel being proclaimed. Do you remember the first time you heard of God's saving grace through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to be crucified on behalf of our sins and conquered death through rising again three days later? If you have come to a personal relationship with Christ more recently, you likely still have an excitement around learning what he did for you, applying this truth to your life, and experiencing transformation. Perhaps you have not come to this point and are still considering what faith looks like in your life. 
I urge you to keep reading scripture, keep learning, and reach out to those you know in your life who do have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Whether you have anyone like that in your life or not, we welcome you to join us any Sunday at one of our three campuses. Maybe you're like me and grew up in church, so this has become common knowledge and part of normal life for you. But do you remember the time it became personal? Let's not lose the awe and recognition of the power of the gospel and the transformation it provides because we have known it for so long. Not only is this a reminder for ourselves to remember the excitement and power of his word, but to also apply it in evangelism. In the NIV application commentary, author Ajit Fernando exhorts us with this word. We must get people to understand the glory of the truth of the gospel, something deeper and more lasting than experience. Then they will have joy in the gospel, a joy that can withstand the mysterious times of darkness in life. He goes on to say what this means for our own life and faith when he says, In order to communicate this vision, we must know in our own lives the joy of truth. We must take time to feed our minds with the truth and to meditate on it so that it will glow within us. As a result, those to whom we minister will, by observing us, also acquire a respect and appreciation for the truth. They will catch our enthusiasm over it. In the meantime, we too will find ourselves refreshed and fed. Lord, help us remember the excitement and transformation your gospel provides. Let us live out the joy of truth and let it shine before others. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Listen tomorrow as we encourage each other through God's Word. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so because we would love to continue to grow with you. We'd also like a chance to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you can find all sorts of ways to serve, worship, and learn together.